Hi, this is John Zazula, and you're listening to Sonic Perspectives. everyone and welcome to another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I'm Rodrigo Altaf and I'm speaking today with a pivotal figure in the birth of thrash metal, Mr. John Zuzula, who discovered Metallica, Anthrax, Testament and many other bands. John, thank you for joining us today. Hey, good to be here. Uh, you're releasing an amazing book entitled Heavy Tales, The Metal, The Music, The Madness, with uh, so many stories of the birth of thrash metal. Give us a general idea about uh, what the fans can expect of this book. Well, basically, it's a, a book about me and the people who work with me to bring thrash metal and all kinds of metal, actually, to the world. Uh, it's a story of Megaforce Records, how that started. It's the story of why Megaforce started, you know, just to make a few dollars and put out uh, a Metallica album when nobody else wanted to, you know? Yeah. It's it's a good story about teamwork and it teaches you some lessons about life as well, which I'm not going to get into now. You have to read the book to get it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. We'll go into uh, a few stories of the book, but of course we want people to read it. Right. Uh, but right. one question I have is you probably told these stories many times, but what drove you to write the book at this point in time? Is there any particular reason? Well, this is a period where I'm retired now. Mm -hmm. I'm not working at all on anything whatsoever. And I wanted to tell the story before I got too old and couldn't remember anything to tell. Right. And I was, I was very lucky that I met a fellow by the name of Harold Claros Maldonados. And Harold researched my life from the beginning as a boy, all the way to today's time, which enabled me to write the stories of what happened at every adventure on the way. Right. And I just finished reading it a couple of days ago, and uh, would like to talk about, of course, a few aspects of it without revealing too much. But before you establish your okay. store, uh, you were working in Wall Street. What was that like for you, and would you be happy working there all these years? Or Well, you know, I loved... Wall Street. I love trading stocks and all the action and making money and losing money. You know, it was a crazy, crazy time. But I got in with the wrong people on Wall Street and I got involved in the criminal element and I ended up doing time for that. And it's because I got to the point where there was no hope for me that a ray of light came And I saw what I thought was an encounter with God for the first time. And it's God's work and his words that really drove me to do what happened in the future. I never, ever wanted to be the success that I was. I never cared. It was only because I felt something was pushing me and pushing me 
that I did what I did. Right. I think it's uh, overall it's a story of triumph over uh, so many temptations and so many downfalls, right? Oh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what I love about the book is that you speak very honestly about what went right and what went wrong with certain bands. Uh, two bands I'm curious about are Raven and Anvil. Why do you think they didn't turn out to be as big as Metallica and Anthrax, for example? Well, Raven, you needed a certain taste mm. to like Raven. And I felt that John Gallagher's voice, his high pitch, was a negative to the radio people in the world and the people that promote heavy metal. Right. And Raven also, at a young stage in their career, made some mistakes that they paid for all their life because they're as great now as they ever were when they were young. But they paid the price at a crucial time in their career. Now, Anvil, I, I don't know what to say about Anvil because, to me, Anvil remained one of the greatest bands also in the world. I had very little to do with their career. I wanted I wanted very much to be a part of Anvil's life and career, but they had other plans when they were younger and they went with the other people so my bands went and succeeded and Anvil had a rough time yeah I think I think they're on an upward trend right now especially since the the movie came out but uh, so much time lost right all through these years oh yes. yeah uh, one of my favorite parts of the book is when you talk about Ben staying at your place and raising hell while you and Marsha were raising a family that has to have taken a toll in your household at the time right Oh, my house, a uh, madhouse, a literal madhouse. But it was filled with all kinds of tape traders and metal writers and people involved in the scene. It was a very exciting place to be, almost like being in Philadelphia during the time of the American Revolution. You felt something was happening. A movement was getting ready to happen. And we were, we were part of it. It was very exciting. It was also crazy. No, I, I wonder what your kids say about those times these days. Do they remember anything? or? Well, the only thing that Ricky remembers, my daughter who was there all the time, was that, you know, at night, she remembered that Cliff Burton used to read her bedtime stories to go to bed at night because it was too noisy downstairs. Oh, wow. <laughs> And that's a great memory to have, you know? Right. <laughs> Absolutely, of course. Uh, when you were promoting Metallica very early on, did you get a clear picture of how big these guys could get? I mean, was it a surprise to you that they are what they are right now, or not really? Yes, really. Yes, really. I always felt Metallica would be one of the biggest, if not the biggest band in the world. I didn't know why. I just felt it. It was in my stomach. I wouldn't have done what I did and put myself out in hock and in the hole financially so much mm -hmm. if I didn't believe in this band with all my heart and soul. And what kind of relationship do you have with the Metallica guys these days? Do you talk very often or do they do they respect you these days? Well, or? They respect me. We're very good friends. Okay. We don't talk to each other because we have nothing really to say to each other now. You know, I don't call Lars to ask him how his day is. You know, I do that with my family, with children. Right, right. You know, the only person who remains forever a very close friend who we speak all the time is Chuck Billy from Testament, mm -hmm. who wrote the forward in the book, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Chuck remains a great, great friend. Tiffany, his wife, Marsha and I, travel together. We do things together. 
Uh, sometimes Maria comes with us, Metal Maria. We remain friends, as I said, to this day. Okay. Uh, and when you first met Metallica, was there any indication of them wanting to get rid of Dave Mustaine already, or that came later on? It came later on. It didn't come too much later on, but it was definitely something they were discussing. They just didn't bring it up to me. Okay. Uh, and you talk about, uh, in the book, you talk about Anthrax bothering you to get them signed to the point where it was uncomfortable for you and Marsha. Was, was, what was the issue at the time with them? Did you just feel they weren't quite there yet? Right. right. Uh, you, know, you know, it was never uncomfortable. It was always funny. <laughs> it was always like, here they come again. Here comes those Anthrax guys. And they always had music. And the music was always interesting, but it was never quite there. It just wasn't there. It wasn't until Soldiers of Metal, produced by Ross the Boss, came my way, and we said, this was amazing. You're ready to go into the studio. And we put out the single Soldiers of Metal with Howling Furies on the B-side. Okay. Right. And when it comes to Anthrax, I'm curious about the vocalist changes. Uh, I mean, they fired New Terminal in the release in the release party of Metallica's Ride the Lightning, where they played, and got rid of Joey when they had a $10 million record deal. What's your take on those changes? Well, Neil Turbin and the boys weren't getting along. And even though I didn't want Neil to leave, I wasn't going to do anything to pursue his staying because the band didn't want it. When Joey left, It was another story. I thought Joey was a big part of Anthrax, and I felt that even though they were going to get another singer, and I didn't know yet who it would be, I felt that was a big mistake getting rid of Joey. Even though I love John Bush, don't get me wrong, but Anthrax and Joey Belladonna are part of the same team. Yeah, they are. I, I mean, that's what's distinguishable about them, right? The melodic voice of, of Joey, you know, the journey-inspired kind of guy with the thrash metal. Right, edge. exactly. That's the formula of success. Yeah. Uh, and you speak very candidly about uh, your manic depression in the book and how you cope with it through the years. Do you think that has affected your decisions and maybe changed the destiny of a few bands or not really? It hasn't affected the destiny of a few bands, but it affected my destiny. <laughs> how so? Well, I basically gave up when I felt somebody was not feeling like they loved me. I took it personal and got all depressed and sad about it. I always like to love my bands and work hard with them like Familia. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And when I'm not like that, I get very depressed and very sad. And it's my depression that caused me to give up on Megaforce and sell Megaforce at such a time i could have stayed and fought it out the way i usually do but i just didn't care anymore i was that depressed i just didn't care about anything anymore i see and um my main thoughts when going through the book was that it took the right amount of boldness and craziness for this story to unfold like it did would you say that that's a fair assumption or not really oh <laughs> chuck billy said that johnny v is batshit crazy <laughs> and he's right yeah i'm out of Mind. If I didn't have Marsha to keep me focused and steer me in the right direction, I think I would have went overboard into the ocean many times, you know? Yeah. But it's that craziness and knowing the right answers. Where did that come from? Where did I get all those right answers from? I didn't go to school for this. You know what I'm saying? Of course, yeah. It was divine intervention. Now, people, I always say, forgive me for my belief in God. It's just 
I have no other explanation for what happened to me in my life. Yeah, you talk a lot about uh, your belief in God in the book, and you're you're kind of apologetic about it. Do people give you a hard time in, in like in in metal, the bands that you interacted with, or did they make fun of it for some reason? Yeah, I I get a lot of people who put their heads down and say, "Oh, here comes Johnny talking about God." But you know, when you're as grateful as I am, you got to say thank you. You know, absolutely, yeah. I don't talk about religions. I don't talk about, I talk about one God. Yeah, and I respect you for that, man. And that's the way I am. And I find that he's not a bad friend to have. Of course not. Um, there are some great pictures in the book as well, but I'll tell you what my favorite pick was. It's the business cards of Megaforce Records that reference you as the power. <laughs> <laughs> You're the power and Marsh is the strength. Tell us about the role that Martha had in the whole story of the label. Well, Marsha held everything up. As I talk about it in the book, I'm like a bull in a china shop, <laughs> getting everything down and everything. And Marsha's right there catching it and making sure it don't break and making sure we get out alive. Right. <laughs> She was the strength that put up with my craziness, right. that put up with my madness and said, come on, we can do this, ma'am. Don't give up. Johnny, you're right. Come on, let's go. This is what you got to do. You know, or Johnny, you're going too far. Try this way. Right. Very. Nobody knows how important Marshall was. That's why I talk about it so in the book. You know, everybody gives me credit for everything, but that's bullshit. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes, I forgot who said it, but it's like, uh, Johnny can take you to the moon and Marsha can make sure you land safely. Something like that, right? Right. <laughs> Uh, one of the crazy stories is about Manowar signing a contract with Megaforce with their own blood. Oh, that one. Yeah. That was a good one. We had paramedics there. <laughs> they literally, yeah, they cut themselves and they were bleeding all over the place and they filled the quill up with ink, with blood. And I still have the contract today somewhere. I should have put them in the book, signed in blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they invited you to do the same, right? Was it too far-fetched for you to, to join in? Yeah, I told, I told them you're crazy, man. <laughs> You're all crazy, you know. I'm not born to live forevermore. <laughs> I should have been good for the book. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Ace Freely for a minute. Uh, do you think the collaboration with him could have lasted a bit longer, and do you still keep in contact with him? No, you know, and he's playing down in Orlando where I live any day now, and it's a shame, but I really don't stay in touch with any of my people, any of my artists. I I live a quiet life. I may sound like I'm doing a lot on Facebook, etc., etc. I don't really go out that much, and uh, I don't mingle with the past. Okay. I just don't. It's, I, it's hard for me to get around, Rodrigo. I see. I see, and that's understandable for sure. Um, when it comes to the thrash metal bands that you help release and promote, like Overkill, Testament, Metallica, Anthrax, Anvil, would you say there was more friendship or rivalry between them, uh, in the, between the bands in the label? Well, the label had no problem with any of them. But fans always had something to say about the other band. Right. There was always the complaint, oh, are you treating this band better? Are you treating that band better? How about me? Right? It's like having children all wanting the same treatment or better. <laughs> right. That's a good metaphor. Exactly what it's like. Right. And uh, in the late portion of the book, you talk about the upcoming of grunge. But at the time, your taste also changed a bit. And one band you helped promote was King's X. Um, 
to me, they're still the biggest cult band in the world. I don't know if you agree with that assumption, but tell us what it was like to work with them. Well, working with King's X was always a pleasure. Always very creative, always pleasant to deal with. <laughs> good people. They were very good souls. And they were also a little different in what they did to be commercially commercially acceptable. Their music really wasn't your top 40 sound. Yeah. But, but it was great enough to sell 200,000 records. We had a one record. We had a top two single in the country and a top one video over my head, I believe. So, I mean, we did the best we can. I got them on Worldwide Tour with ACDC. You know, we did a lot of things for King's X, but... Unfortunately, they remain today. It's fortunately, they're still in business. They're still playing great. They're still together. And it's a fantastic experience to see King's X at any time. It is indeed. Uh, and did you feel the changing taste in the general public just before the grunge era? Or did it take you by surprise when it happened? Well, it just came like a dark cloud. Just sales and everything got really weak. Everybody wanted to sound like grunge. Nobody wanted to sound like metal anymore. Bands were delivering music that wasn't the best music they could have delivered. I call it the dark ages. Yeah. And that time, I didn't want to do metal anymore. That's when I went and I did the... I worked with the lead guitarist from the Allman Brothers, Warren Haynes, and I discovered the Disco Biscuits, who are huge, by the way, in the States. A huge band. Yeah, I think it's a shame that uh, a lot of people look at that time as, as a dark time but there were some great bands out there but uh, I don't know the other bands, the metal bands seem to just be obliterated by that that whole movement, right? It was bad, it, you know I could have stuck to it mm -hmm. but I didn't hear any metal bands that I really wanted to sign right. I just didn't feel it I wasn't in love with anybody I mean, I fell in love with a band called Nude Swirl, mm -hmm. you know I thought that was spectacular. And you have to remember, I worked with Ministry as a manager. Yeah. And we sold three million records together just on one record alone. So, you know, they were good times and bad times. Yeah, I understand. And when you look back at uh, the whole history of Megaforce Records, all the stuff that you've been through, uh, would you have done anything differently than, than the story that the book tells? Or, or are you happy with the way things turn out? How, what are your reflections on that? I don't think I could have done things differently because it was all basically manifest destiny. It was all just the way it came to me, you know, just the formula for success. That came to me. I always felt it was more important for my bands to be on a major label than on an indie. It did great things for Testament and Overkill. It did great things for Ace Frehley. If King's X were on an indie, we would have sold nothing. Yeah. So this, even Mind Punk sold 120,000 records and was considered a failure. But they sold 120,000 records and, and Epic thought they were a failure. Because they didn't sell a million. Yeah. Crazy times, right? No, man. But what would I do? Nothing different. Well, if a band sold 120,000 records today, that would be like a massive hit, right? So times have changed indeed. Right. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are you now officially retired or do you still provide advice for bands, labels, etc.? 
Well, people call me up and I give advice. Mm. But lately, I've been really not doing much except for working about, you know, doing promotion for the book, mm-hmm. talking uh, to people like you, giving interviews. And that's what I'm doing. And probably by next year, January, I expect everything to be quiet. I see. And uh, let's talk about the promotion for the book. I mean, you're planning a few in-store appearances to promote it. Uh, there's one on the cutting room in New York on the 24th and one on Vintage Vinyl on the 26th. Do you think this could develop into a book tour of bigger proportions? or No, no. Um, I really don't want to do one. I didn't do this book. I didn't write this book to make money. Mm. I wanted the story to come out. And I'm hoping I get close to break even. I'm publishing it myself. I'm going to do an Audible book, and I have the e-book coming out November 29th. But but this book is not available in stores on purpose by me. It's only available online on either Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or johnzazula.com. That is it for these two little events I'm doing. As you said, October 24th in New York City from 6 to 9 at the Cutting Room. And then at Vintage Vinyl in Fords, New Jersey on Saturday from 2 o'clock to whenever. So I appreciate you telling everybody. I hope they all come down. John, I, I want to thank you for your time today. And thank you for shaping the sound of a whole generation. And I'm sure there's uh, all sorts of metalheads out there who are very thankful for you. All right. Well, listen, it was, it was marshalling my pleasure to create the soundtrack of your youth, your life. Yeah, thank you so much, man. All the best with the promotion of the book, all right? All right, Rodrigo, take care of yourself. Thanks, take care. One last request I have, man. Uh, I'm, we're going to publish soon this interview. If you can share it on Facebook and uh, all your or social media platforms, of course. okay? Of course, of course. Thank you so much, man. We'll be in touch. Cheers. 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 Bye-bye. Everybody, thank you for listening, and please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're gonna leave you now with Hit the Lights, the first Metallica song that John Zazula heard and the one that drove him to kickstart the whole thrash metal scene. Crank it up and we'll see you next time.